0: Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Palette Exposure, featuring Alona Thompson, a podcast for those seeking
1: the ultimate in wine, food, and travel. Each week, she interviews winemakers, chefs, celebrities, and a variety of guests that shape the way we enjoy life.
0: Made an appointment. And, um, you know, I said, I'm, I understand my mother tracked you down and got your card. She wants me to, you know, come and taste wine with you and he said well come on in Um, happy to taste the wine so I go there only thing I had at the time was Sauvignon Blanc so he tasted it and he said yeah this is great you know bring me a case and I said no pressure no pressure you know um, I know my mom shops here and she tracked you down and he said don't worry you're not the only kid in Napa Valley whose parents come in and tell me I need to buy their wines (laughs) so that made me feel better so that was Mom's account. As I said, all right, it's in the store. You you keep an eye on the shelf when you're in there. Let me know when it gets low, and I'll call them and um, bring some more wine. So that was that was her account. But yeah, so I did a lot of stuff on. You know, I did everything myself except make the wine. And uh, so I, I've I've had a, a couple of different winemakers over the years. Uh, Ann Vada was my first winemaker, who about. Uh, five or six years ago her and her husband decided they were going to go sail around the world so she's she's and he's a winemaker as well so they're they're sailing around the world and um and then i was i knew i was going to need to find another winemaker and jennifer williams was the first person on my list who i've known for quite a while she's she's been about 10 years at spotswood
1: oh yes talk about Icon- another iconic brand that is just so elegant and sophisticated, yeah, as well as delicious, but you know, they make Sauvignon Blanc as well, incidentally. Mm-hmm. Of it. Mm-hmm. Had it, and of course, stunning Cabernets. Um, Age worthy, galore. I mean, some of them a lot
0: last me. Uh, I am certain of it. Um, and yes, what a pedigree. Yeah, so uh, Jennifer and I have been together for uh, five years. Now, and uh, she's doing a great job. I think that she's taking the wines to just a whole nother level. we've added a few more varietals. I, you know as I said, I, I don't make a, a Cap Franc anymore for the moment. it's still like my holy grail. I'm looking for the right vineyard uh, because I, I did create a following with my my cab franc and uh every time i go to texas or see some of my other customers who are fans they're like when am i going to get another cab franc i'm like i'm trying i'm trying but it's uh, it's uh, not widely planted and it's in high demand because most people are using it as a blender with their red wines or cabernets and it's expensive it commands the same price that high-end cabernet does so it's uh I'll get there eventually, but in the meantime, I added another um, red blend to the portfolio in 2012 called Mia Madre. Uh, my mom my mother, yeah. So I, I wanted a proprietary name for the blend. And I was brainstorming with some friends and um, after th- lots of ideas, one of them said, well, you know, the brand's about your mother. And it's Italian, so why don't you just call it my mother in an Italian? And so that's where mia madre came from. And it's it's funny because everything sounds better in Italian um, <laughs> than so it does right. in English. <laughs> it sure sort does. It's,
1: it know, In fact, your mom's last name is it Annunziata.
0: That yes. was her middle name.
1: Yeah, so that's announced right in Italian. Announced yeah, in France, yeah, something yeah. like that or no?
0: Yes, Annunciation, you know, people say, uh, actually, in English, her name translates to Nancy Ann. And in, the, in her family, Annunciata was passed along to all the females, uh, all, the, all the females in the family as they were born. And it was either a first name or a middle name, and she got it as the middle name. But I used to call her that when we were when I was growing up because I thought it was kind of a cool name. It really is. It
1: has such a great sound to it and just a presence. It kept popping up in my mind when you said, yeah. I mean, your mom clearly had presence and was a very strong person. Yeah. Um, so, Absolutely. having that as an example, your entire life had to have shaped you. Um, so, what an incredible asset and brand ambassador. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love that story. So um, you clearly have um depth of breadth of experience that's uncommon, um, but also business acumen. So when you watch the brand, um, I think it's interesting that you started with a Sauvignon Blanc. Um, what What's not obvious uh, about Napa specifically because it's so cap-driven, which is to a certain extent economics, but also geography, uh, that there's so many other varietals that kind of get overlooked, unintended, perhaps, mm-hmm. but it's just reality. Um, and for you as a business person, it was a must have been an interesting decision not to lead with a cab, but in fact, go with that intuition that you pointed out early in the conversation, I kind of put a pin on it. So you, you trust your gut to put it very succinctly, right?
0: Uh, yes, I did. And... The other thing, also to be completely um, honest, is it's it's also an economic decision uh-huh. because Sauvignon Blanc is quicker to the market, uh-huh. and I, I I didn't want to start a brand in two thousand and eight and not be able to release it, you know, for for two or three years later. Uh-huh. So I, and I, and I love Sauvignon Blanc. After all my experience in the kitchen with chefs, it, it really hit home to me how important acidity is in a wine. And, uh, philosophically, that's what I look for through all the varietals that we make is to have that really beautiful balance of acidity. It keeps the wine fresh. It is, I think more food friendly, um, and it, and I, I just, it's just an all around good white wine um, for me. And it's so interesting because as I'm out on the road with the wine, I run across many people that say, oh, I don't drink white wine or I only drink Chardonnay. And so I said, well, you know, here, try it. If you don't like it, spit it out. I don't care. Uh, and so they try it and then their eyes light up and they said, oh, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, the way we're making it is, is with the neutral oak um, fermentation and aging and also some small stainless steel barrels. So it's on the contact with the leaves. So it has a creaminess to it, a roundness to it, but it has that brightness also with the beautiful flavors of um, the fruit, which I have um, – found that Sauvignon, there's a clone of Sauvignon Blanc called Sauvignon Musque. Mm -hmm. And um, it has, it adds these really beautiful aromatics to the wine. And then it also, in the flavor, adds this sort of tropical note character or stone fruit character. It can go either way, uh, depending on the vintage. With the, you know, that citrus quality that I really love in Sauvignon Blanc is still there. You get the roundness of the wood you of know, the oak barrels, without the uh, influence of the actual oak flavor in the wine, yes, so I, people are surprised mm-hmm. yeah, people are surprised when they taste it because they, they tell me it's not a typical Sauvignon Blanc or a typical Napa Sauvignon Blanc, which I don't know if I know the definition of a typical Napa Sauvignon Blanc, but i don't it doesn't matter to me it's a, what matters is they they like it so. I think I've converted a few people into Sauvignon Blanc drinkers. Well, um, I'm one of those people that loves Sauvignon Blancs by volume. That's
1: the variety I probably drink the most. And exactly for the reasons that you've highlighted, that bright acidity just makes me so happy. And it's so versatile. I've had Sauvignon Blanc with a dry-aged steak and I'm proud to say that. You know, that fad, that unctuous, that umami, whatever you want to identify it as in that really incredibly delicious protein somehow danced really well with the Mm bright and a lot of people think sauvignon blanc is about simplicity but to me simple is not simplistic simple just means really straightforward but still has a lot of complexity and elegance that i identify in some of my favorite sauvignon blancs including yours that's really is so incredibly pleasurable um you know, Sauvignon Blanc, of course, is related to Cabernet Franc and Cabernet Sauvignon. A lot of people don't realize that many white wines just don't get the accolades of the reds. They don't get rated as highly, and I think public perception is shaped by that to some extent. So, I would encourage you guys to really, if you're not familiar with Sauvignon Blancs and Ziad in particular, like Karen just said, try it for yourself. I think you would be surprised just how cool it is. Um, in the other one, that she highlighted Cabernet Franc again. The the genetic relationship, of course, is Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot again. Uh, might surprise some people. Um, the Cabernet Franc is a varietal to me. Um, is really quite um, an enigma in the sense that it has a lot of the qualities of Sauvignon Blanc, but they're not quite as pronounced. They're not quite as in your face. But the level of sophistication, if it's the right Cabernet Franc, which is what you said earlier, it has to be grown correctly. I mean, it's it's more difficult to grow that varietal, and the majority of real estate is dedicated to Cabernet in Napa Valley. But there's a few growers that just make extraordinary Cabernet, and um, or I should say that grow an extraordinary Cabernet, uh, particularly in the hillsides, I'm just echoing a sentiment um, that uh, just reaches the levels that are just extremely high, palatally and intellectually, for that matter. I've been a fan of Cabernet Franc for probably a good part of a couple of decades, but Mm -hmm. I kind of refer to it in my mind's eye a little bit similar as to Pino. If If it's good, it's really good. It's great. It's apogee for the senses. If it's bad, you don't want to have anything to do with it. Um,
0: exactly. Now, I I, I I tend to gravitate towards the East Mountains, uh, the Vaca Mountains, and I was getting I was working with a vineyard up on um, uh, East side of Oakville, kind of sandwiched between um, Dalla Valley and and Joquette Winery. It's like right up on that mountain top, and, and on the back side of that was uh, uh, is Oakville Ranch. So wow. yeah, yeah, the fruit from that vineyard was the berries were tiny. They were like blueberry size, but man, was that flavor concentrated and it just had these beautiful violet characteristics and the aromas and it still had some tannins because, you know, being up on the East side, it's, it's that's the side of the Valley that's hot and, um, high desert like and rocky and, and um, lots of rattlesnakes there too. But it's just the characteristic of the vineyard and and the the climate and the soil. So, but the the flavors were intense and I, the vineyard was sold to another winemaker and unfortunately I lost the contract and that's the problem about not owning all of my vineyards is I'm at the mercy of the owners. Um, uh, And I love, working with the growers, I love being in the vineyards. I love, I tell everybody I'd rather shop for grapes than shoes. Uh, I love that. <laughs> it's, just, it's, I don't know. There's just something about being in the vineyards. And when you walk onto a piece of property, it's emotional for me. I can, I, I have a, an instant feeling about it. Um, good or bad, you know, you can, it's just the, I don't, it's hard to explain, <laughs> but I, I do have this sort of emotional feeling about the vineyards when I'm in them. So that's part of what I love. And I said, probably that is my favorite part of this business is being in the vineyards, going through the growing season, tasting as the grapes are ripening and uh, having that sort of memory of, of what the vine, grapes were like on the vine and what it translates into the bottle. Okay. So that's really where my heart lies. I mean, I, I, I couldn't make wine if it saved my life. That's why I have a fantastic winemaker, thankfully. But we make a good team. She's also well-versed in the vineyard. She actually studied viticulture when she was going to school and, and then switched over to enology. So she is a, she's a complete package. She knows the vineyards, she knows organic farming, she knows uh, how to make fantastic wine, and I'm just really fortunate to have her as part of the brand. You know, there's a couple of things to highlight here. One, um
1: when I mean, not fans of serpentine species clearly, but I just want to point out when you were painting that visual for me of this rocky soil and obviously get some direct heat because that's where snakes like to live. They like to suntan themselves. So there's this level of intensity (laughs) that exists in that particular piece of land that clearly there's a transference, right? Because it's a confluence always of weather and soil and such like that and farming. The second piece is um, the vintner winemaking role in the vineyard. I don't know of any great winemaker that shows up during harvest. I know a lot of great winemakers that show up all year round you know, even when the vineyard is asleep. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And when you're describing your participation um, and how you relate to it, that emotional connection, I truly believe that there's a transference. Um, Kudos to you for listening to your intuition. I think we all have it, but a lot of us kind of are dismissive of it to an extent. And I think it really is an integral part of everything you do. And the fact that you are so connected to the property where you source the fruit, the fact that your winemaker is a vineyardist as well, I think that bodes so well for the final product. I kind of come to look at it in some ways, I guess utilitarian in this case, as an insurance policy for the consumer. You want something that really attaches themselves to all aspects of production and wine growing.
0: Yes. And I'm, I'm, even though I'm not the winemaker, I am involved in every step of the process. And this is why I started my own company. So I could do every, I could be integrated in into the brand, into what's in the bottle. I'm on the road. I'm out working with the distributors and the sales rep. I need to tell the story of not only the brand, but of the wines. And, and it's much easier when you can walk through the vineyard and taste the grapes and talk about that experience because more and more I'm finding consumers are more interested on the farming side and want to know more about the vineyards, and um, and which I'm happy, I could do that all day long. So it's important to be integrated. And even though I don't make the wine, I and in lockstep with jennifer as we go through the growing season we're walking in the vineyards we're um deciding on which vineyards to work with together i'm contracting fruit we're i'm out sampling you know as we get into harvest we so can i'm a backup to her when she needs she because we have vineyards and she has her own brand as well and a few consulting clients so she's pretty spread out yeah. So I'm always out in the vineyard, helping with sampling. And um, sometimes I'm out on the picks. We pick everything at night. Uh, our Pinot Vineyard over in Sonoma is uh, one of those vineyards I like to be at uh, during the pick. So, yeah. And then I'm on the crush pad. And I'm there for bottling. And I'm there for the blending. So we're in lockstep. Uh, and this is no, what yeah. I love. It,
1: it, It's so great to hear, honestly, as a consumer, first and foremost, and I think it particularly um, is uh, resonating with the younger audience. I mean, a lot of us, when we first started in the biz, you know, we essentially relied on third-party validation, right? Uh, Wine critics, things of that nature, and shelf talkers, you know, in our wine shops. I think consumers are participating a lot more. And they really want that connection. They want to talk to you and to hear from you how you make wine, really. Um, even if you're not involved directly in production, you might as well be. So I think it's a really important point that um, you know when people care about what they purchase in their grocery store, where that food comes from, particularly in California, and like you pointed out, we're blessed, we have choices. But given those choices, much more people are gravitating towards you know farming uh, the vegetables and the fruit and whatever other things that they buy that comes directly from the farm that's identifiable as opposed to just some corporate stuff that went in a truck and got delivered and i really applaud that because you know you're putting this in your body you should really care so and we have the largest here particularly in northern california there's no excuse not to You know buy great produce and proteins and such like that and kind of a interesting tidbit now that the restaurants are really struggling um the vendors the farmers are going directly to the public so you guys there's a ton of intel about that just go to your favorite (laughs) browser and find it um i would really encourage just not in the food movement sense but wine movement go directly to the source you know we love our trade we love our distributors but here's Karen, that you could literally make a phone call, right, to you or, you know, contact you through the website. Um, and yes. ask questions, you know, obviously buy wine, but there's your access. It's almost unprecedented. I mean, when can you talk to the CEO of the company in any other realm?
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just fortunate. And, um, and I think, like I said, every experience that I've had, through this journey of of being here today, talking to you is, I'm I learn by doing. So I'm much better at a hands-on experience than I am sitting in a classroom trying to be taught something. Uh, I wasn't that good of a student. So for me, being in the vineyards and and doing all of those things when I uh, the first piece of property uh, that we owned here in St. Elena was up on the east hills and. I had the opportunity to develop a mountain vineyard wow. uh, and, and what an amazing experience that was. So I, that really sort of set the foundation of understanding vineyards and what goes into creating them and planting them and the decisions that need to be made all of, you know, from rootstock to clones, to varietals and trellising uh, yeah all of those things there's there's a multitude of of uh decisions that go into creating a vineyard of course i had expertise helping along the way but i was the project manager and i i I managed a lot of it so now i can't live without a vineyard around me i live in calistoga now and this is my forever uh place to live i started in Yonville uh first home in Yonville, moved up to the east hills of St. Helena, and then I'm now further north in Calistoga. I can go any further, I'll be in Sonoma, so I think I'm (laughs) going to stop here, but I did plant a vineyard here at at my house in Calistoga, which is Sauvignon Blanc, funny enough, and uh, I just have to have those vines around me. I, you know, just like right now, it's early April, we're seeing bud break in the vineyard, and it's just it's like a miracle at the begin of, beginning of each season and, and to watch them develop and grow and go out and talk to them and take the dog for a walk in the vineyard. So it's just, it it's keeps me connected to the source of the wine. And that's really important. And I, it's, it's not a big vineyard, but it's big enough to, to feel like, you know, it really is part of who I am. And my dogs like it too. Right now I'm on, I'm only down to one dog. I had three when I first moved here and uh, I have one left. I don't know if you can hear her snoring in the background, but she's. No, it's just being a good girl. In the yeah. <laughs> she's but, like, uh, you
1: know what, if I'm going to quarantine, I'll just, you know, I'll catch on some sleep. Good plan. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's so wonderful what you're describing just listening to you i can almost picture in my mind's eye kind of the migration up valley and for those of you that haven't been to calistoga but have been to napa um i have a bone to pick with you um, i would love for people to start in calistoga and meander to napa because i think it's such a great way to really understand or better understand the valley I know that you've championed Calistoga for many years. You were, you know, hitting the heading the regional organization. Um, Calistoga is small, but boy, is there a ton of heart there! I love going there. Um, this is like what Napa is to me in many respects. Yountville has enormous strength as a food mecca, and. Uh, great tasting rooms. I mean, every single um, town, which there's not that many in Napa, but, but every single town has a powerful personality. To but Calistoga, there's something so special about it, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's a little bit still, um, a little bit of the Wild West still here, <laughs> you know, and I think it's, it's a, a, a little bit away from the maddening crowd. You know, once you sort of get through Santa Helena, driving through town, and you get up to Calistoga, things just sort of are cal- calmer and as people may not know but Napa Valley is only about 30 miles long and and about a mile wide at the widest point and it, when you get up to Calistoga we are much closer to the mountains so we're we're flanked by the, the Mayakamas and the Vaca Mountains and it's not a, you know and Mount St. Helena is right out my front door so that's my view wow. and here you just feel although you have sort of the wide open space you have you're being hugged by these mountain ranges uh-huh. and um and it's just the powders pal- uh on the east side there's um the palisades which are just this sheer rock and and the light is sort of this pinkish color in the in the summer uh you know, in the, in the evenings, the whole sort of side of the mountains slides up like this really pretty pink glow. But yeah, it's people come up to my house and they park and in the driveway and they get out of their car and they look up and they say, oh my gosh, look at those palisades, look at Mount St. Elena! I mean, this, the, the views up here are pretty stunning. People don't really realize it. So it's kind of our best-kept little secret. But I would encourage people to come up and check yeah. out, you know, our uh, med baths and our downtown and our great restaurants and, and the hiking trails. My God, just
1: the concept of being hugged, like you <laughs> so beautifully expressed, it just makes you feel so good. God, and we could all use that right now. Yes. But, yeah, indeed. Um, but even during peaceful times, it feels like a war. Um, Really, it's necessary. It's sort of like re- replenishment, that dose of sanity that we all crave. Um, so there's your encouragement, you guys. Um, once this thing is over, and the restriction is lifted, I hope you get in your car and come to Calistoga. You yeah, know, me too. Like us to
0: um,
1: have some time with Karen. Yes, um, let's do. Yeah. So I mean, it's. You know, the wine world is so welcoming in the first place. You know, I'm forever appreciative. I never take it for granted. But every time I talk to folks like you, it just makes me feel so welcome. And so, you know, um, embraced almost like this hug that you described. Yeah. It's just the nature of how people are. The valley attracts that mindset. Um, so there's, it's, it's plentiful, but it's, it's so incredibly special every time. Well, I'm looking forward to giving
0: somebody a hug one day soon. <laughs> I don't know when that's <laughs> no, going to be. Like withdrawals, I know. Um, right. I'm a hugger. Yeah, no, and I, I want one as
1: soon as we, um, we get to meet in person. Um, yeah. so, um, I, I love the fact that you have other wines in your portfolio besides the one that you know we discussed because it gives you that other range, you know, to, um. You know, capture other expressions. Um, I see five bottles. Yes. So um, I want to know what else, you know, in detail, what else mm-hmm. you make and the backstory and such like that.
0: Well, we talked a little bit about Sauvignon Blanc already. And <laughs> um, the, I can go in varietal white to red order. I guess I'll do that. So Sauvignon Blanc, was the first wine I started with, and then Chardonnay was the last, vintage, or last varietal that I added to the portfolio. So the first release was the 2016 Chardonnay, and we're getting fruit from Carneros, which makes sense because it's down by the bay, it's at southern end of the valley, it's cooler climate, uh, Chardonnay and Pinot don't like hot weather. They, they are thinner skinned grapes. They want to be cool and they like that fog and they just like to take their time on getting ripe. So uh, the Chardonnay I started out as a single vineyard and then I needed a little bit more fruit and went next door and, and picked up a little bit more fruit from there. So we make about, now. We might also all of these wines are very small production. Yes, Sauvignon Blanc is runs between 900 950 uh cases. Mm-hmm. And the Chardonnay, the first release was around 400 cases. So we do you know, have some oak treatment and we do have some malolactic and and malolactic fermentation is really based on the vintage mm-hmm. and how much acidity is in the fruit and how much of that acidity you want to sort of round round the edges on so uh, we do use a little bit malolactic fermentation as well on on the chardonnay so it's a nice round rich has a richness to it but it's not oaky you know we went through this we went through this phase in napa for many years of the more oak the better because I love the vineyards so much, and I love the process of growing the fruit, I don't want to disguise it, you know, underneath all that oak. So, you know, we're looking for that balance of showing off the fruit, but having the seriousness of having some um, barrel fermentation, but but pre- preserving the acidity and the freshness in the wine. So that's the goal uh, with the Chardonnay. And we've had, we've had nice feedback on it. So we're, we're pretty happy about that. Um, then there's the Mia Madre. Yes. My mother. My mother. <laughs> so in 2012, I added a red blend. And the progression of this, you know, probably for some people didn't make sense. But I had my reasons for starting with a blend first. Um, again, I think it's one of those blends can be more approachable when they're young versus mm-hmm. a full-blown Cabernet. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do a Cab blend and my original idea was to do a Cab-Cab Franc blend. Mm, makes sense. Well, that didn't exactly work out the way I planned because Cab Franc was uh, a rare commodity here and I couldn't find enough. I couldn't find enough to make it the, the, like the 50-50 blend that I was yeah. aiming for. So there's still some cab franc in most of the uh, vintages going forward. But the surprise player was some Malbec. And uh, I have a a great source of Malbec in Coombsville, which is at the southern end of the valley and probably the newest sub-AVA of Napa Valley. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of on the um, southeastern side of the valley. It's cooler down there. Again, it's a cooler region within a, a warm growing region. And uh, this Malbec, I, I could just like eat all the grapes right off the vine. <laughs> they're delicious, And they're, they're huge grapes. They almost look like, you know, big red grapes that you see in the store. But they're very juicy and they have this sort of blue fruit characteristic to them that I really love. Mm-hmm. so when I'm out sampling as we're getting close to harvest I, you know I take my little bags out take little berry samples back to the lab for testing uh, chemistry testing but I'll like pick a berry and one will go in my mouth and I'll pick another berry and I'm like okay I need to put some in the bag so it takes me <laughs> there to get I love enough grapes in the bag mm-hmm. to take back to the winery but I really love that component with the Cabernet this interview continues in the next episode already available for your download Thanks again for tuning into the official podcast of Palette Exposure featuring Alona Thompson.